Hi, book club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 69. Nice. And our book is The Twice Dead King Reign by Nate Crowley. And the book is about the continuing saga of Ultix, the new r- dynast. Let's just go with that for now. I feel like I feel like to say much more. Anyways, well, I mean, we get to say he's the new dynast of the Ithacus dynasty. Yeah, that works. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read this book, definitely check it out before you listen to this podcast as we're going to talk about the book from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. Did you like the book? No. But I didn't like the first book. So I I'm not surprised like the first I, one. I didn't like it, you know, I, I even texted this to Jen, but it was like so I'm one of those weird people out there who did not like the first Matrix movie, like at all. But I went to the second one figuring like, well maybe I'll like this one and well we all know where that goes. That's I'm not saying this is as bad as the Matrix two as any main but that's what it kind of felt like. I'm like trying the second one thinking maybe I'll like this one and no no I did not that is actually the perfect analogy and I don't think you I don't think you intended it but it actually fits for me because I enjoyed the first matrix I enjoyed the first book I really did I liked twice dead king ruin I thought it was very interesting the whole brother saga it hit me hard in the feelers and them having to deal with the flare curse I found very interesting. So I went into this book, just like I wanted to see The Matrix 2, thinking I would very much enjoy this. And I really didn't. I, I love, and at first I thought I was enjoying it because I love Nate Crowley's style. I love his voice. He's very humorous. Some of his, some of his lines are phenomenal. I liked, um, I liked, like, one line was, um, but my favorite one is when he tells Ultix that you look like something the orcs built and then set on fire. Great line, or when he says, like, you've been pouting longer than some stars have been in existence. <laughs> great lines. He's a great author. I loved it. It took me a while to realize I wasn't enjoying the story. I was just enjoying his writing style. And I enjoyed parts of it. But honestly, I, I texted Carrie kind of like the matrix too i think they could have taken like those last 30 minutes and just appended it onto the first and been like here's what's going on here um i think i would have rathered the first book be like 500 pages than to read two 300 something page books i yeah what parts stood out to you well, I mean, how Lysacor dealt with the uh, Adeptus Mechanicus was pretty dang funny. I, uh, On a scale of one to emptying the bowels of a Nurgle ship. It's an eight. Ooh. Yeah. It's just nice. And the reason why it's an eight is just because I just can't imagine first the Adeptus Mechanicus getting super excited at seeing this construct just appear out of the middle of nowhere and be like, oh my god, this is so cool. Oh, by the way, it's cutting your ship in half. Like, oh wait, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. 
I like when he describes going in and he sees, like, uh, I can't remember how he describes the Skitari, but he's like, oh, they're just kind of weird. And then when the Skitari, like, when he, like, the guy makes too loud of a noise and he says that everybody just turns his way. It reminded me of one of my favorite memes, which is the Necron waking up and all the, the tech priests being like, mine, 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 mine. That's a funny ass comic. I kind of imagine that that's... That, that was what was going through their mind like oh shiny oh wait wait <laughs> wait this is bad <laughs> <Go back. laughs> and i also oh. i did also find it humorous when old is fighting uh duwamet duwamet um and he just grabs that line of gold and just yanks it and she just kind of splits into like that's kind of mm-hmm. funny he unzippered her yes yeah. I think the part that stood out the most to me that really genuinely shocked me is when he's talking with the, um, with the, oh, I can't remember what her title is now, but when they, when he reveals that he's like, it's basically been an, a low key secret of all the dynasts across all the dynasties that, um, we don't really understand how our technology works. And we basically go to our version of the Adeptus Mechanicus to tell us how it works. And I thought that was fascinating because now, obviously, those people understand it a little bit more than the Adeptus Mechanicus understands their technology, the Imperium technology. But I thought it was very interesting, that parallel Mm -hmm. where they're like, yeah, we don't we don't really understand it. We just have to go to these people and then we pretend to understand. (laughs) Well, but, you know, it's in a lot of ways. It's like, you know, um. Like, okay, so I don't know how a rocket, like a rocket ship sounds so juvenile, how a shuttle works, you know? So I go to the physicists and the engineers and everybody, and they tell me how it works. So it's kind of like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But I think I had always under, I, but the, I guess I had always assumed that because they're Necrons, that because they're, because they're undead zombie robots. Basically that they understood their, sorry, my water bottle tops bothering me. Um, I guess I had, I thought that because they're basically made of the same stuff, that it would be like us understanding how a dog works or a cat works. You know what I mean? We're like, yeah, you could, if I could see that, except that, you know, when, I don't know. And it sounds like, you know, because they slept a while, then people are still inventing things that they don't fully understand how these new inventions work and things like that like like all the stuff that Mintep had worked on and he had invented <laughs> we'll get there in a second um i i think the other thing that i really do like to first off the guy in the monoliths is hilarious i loved every time somebody you know, would be like He's waiting for the monoliths. Okay, so like, but when he actually, and I actually hoped, I was like, you know what? I really hope he does some of them out of midair and does some amazing stuff. And then when he did, I'm like, you know what? There, that's all I really wanted. Awesome. Right. Where you're just like, oh, oh, you. <laughs> like, turns out, um, I won't go into it because it's like really, if you know, you know. Uh, it reminded me of a long-running Reno 911 gag uh, with Terry. But it was a good payoff for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
But every time he's like, he's summoning the monoliths. I was like, oh. But it, it does make me feel bad again for the Necrons. And this does kind of hit me. And I do find it in his take on the Necrons very interesting. The idea that, yeah, it kind of sucks to be a Necron. The Necrons like, are a very sad, pathetic people in a... For a variety of reasons, yeah. right? And for as arrogant as they are, you know, calling the Imperium of Man the unclean ones. I think that's kind of funny in a way. But um, it's been like, oh, like, they're just so disgusting. You don't see them, like, putting, you know, eating people or trying to eat people and then wearing their skin. I mean, you guys got some problems. You guys also, you know, seem to have, like, some uh, degradation problems over the years like the monoliths yeah. um and then you got you know people like lysacor whose biggest regret is that he couldn't betray holtix like he really wanted to which actually i found that kind of funny at the same time he's my favorite character zoltanek was my favorite character that was a very close second but when lysacor when the at the beginning when he's just like well i, I think we should congratulate him on his first regicide and then everybody's like giving him the look, and he's like, "He reminded me of that seed in Hercules with Hades." Oh, Hades he's going. I just pictured him being like, eh, eh. "I'll show myself out." <laughs> like, he was definitely that little agent of chaos, not yeah, not chaos, but chaos that just he's just there, like, "Hey, I liked him. I thought he was really fun." But this idea that, and it continually struck me the idea that, yeah, we all went to sleep. And we've woken up, and um, some people are losing their minds. Some people have lost them entirely, and they're just kind of, you know, automatons. Others just don't wake up. Those are the, the lucky ones, thing. I think. I, those are the lucky ones. But that's very sad. But you're you're not wrong. They talk a lot about, like, well, back when we were still in the times of flesh. One of the things that I was like, ugh. They're obsessed it with it. They're obsessed well, the with was, the when totally are when they're necrontier. But the thing that fascinates every time he like mentions just a little like, well, this is why this is this way. I'm like, that is both fascinating, and just, ugh, you are bored, rich people. It's actually in the beginning when I think it's Dumet asks him a question, and he waits, and he waits. And they talk about how in the times of flesh, because everybody lived such short lifespans and because they were all kind of dying, that it became a sign of affluence to be slow and to take your time. Like the so clothes, he was what intentionally. It's the greatest insult was to waste somebody's time. Because everybody else is in a hurry. And I loved that when he's like, I'm going to make her wait. I was like, oh, you're so petty. That's my and, biggest problem with Ultix is that he was so petty. And even in the end, he was really like, man, was. this is all my fault. Like, no shit, Sherlock. It is all, all your fault. It's been all your fault from the beginning. More or less chasing something that I don't even think he wanted, ultimately. So let me ask you this. Because I know that you and I talked about this a little bit. Like, I think we were both a little shocked that the sequel was coming out basically, like, now. Mm -hmm. um, because we just read the other one. Do you understand why it was such a fast follow? Like, did yes. that make it better, worse? I, so what I think, because you kind of hit the nail on the head. And you're like, if they had just made this like a 500 word, 
500 word, a 500 page book instead of two, like 300 page. Like, you know what? That's why, that's why actually I think that it came out so quickly. I wonder if this was supposed to be one book and they asked him and they asked him to do the Hobbit thing and break it up into two. Because that's kind of how it reads. I, I agree with you, actually, because it, it, well, yes, I agree with you, but you hit the nail on the head earlier, and I won't say the author, but it felt like there was a lot of filler in the beginning. Like, the first seven chapters, arguably. Oh, it's like, what author? Now, now I'm with you. Mm. Um. The first seven chapters, arguably, kind of just rehash what happened in the previous book. So, on some ways, I think you're right, because it does basically just pick up immediately afterwards and keep going. And it does really feel like a continuation of the same story, which, yes, I know that's what a sequel is. But which is good if the book comes out like two, three years later. I didn't like some of the stuff in the very first chapter. I was like, oh, right, because yes. I'm one of those people that like. When people are like, hey, did you see that movie with Nicolas Cage? And I'm like, no. And then they start describing it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the one where he's a convict and he gets on the ship and then he has to do all these things. I totally know it. I just have really crappy recall. So when I start reading this book, my first thought was, I don't remember this book at all. And then they gave that one little summary, like in chapter one or two. And I was like, oh, right. And then this, that and the other thing happened. Yes, I was a very, and I'm caught up now. I was very appreciative of that first first Very chapter but that was like yeah okay the first one. I remember the general gist but thank you for you know bringing in some more details into that gist right that I was like oh that's good but then like it kept going and there were several chapters where I was like you already told us this and I remember because we just read this book like five months ago it, it almost felt like he expected this book to come out in like two years like it's done and it can go to the printer. It just needs to wait a bit and percolate a little bit with people. Hey, did you know that that navigator killed her husband? It wasn't that bad. Um, no, it was close. Okay, it was it was a little bit close. Uh, check out our episode on rites of passage to pick up on that inside joke. Um, it. It was kind of close to that. And it, those are the only parts, because, again, I really like Nate Crowley's style. Those are the only parts of the book where they felt forced when he was giving the summary. It felt a lot like filler. Like, he's mm -hmm. like, ah, I've got to, oh, my God, I've got to get another hundred pages in here. So let's go back through this. That was the only part where I was like, mm, this doesn't feel as natural and smooth as the rest of your stuff. Maybe that was just me. No, um... And I felt like not a lot happened. You know, and the thing is, like, this book was like, a, it was like somewhat of an easy read for me. And that's because I enjoyed the prose. Like mm -hmm. we said, like we, like, I really do. You know, it's very rare to have a book that you don't like, but still enjoy the, the writing. It really is. Yes. Because even um, uh, Spears of the Emperor that, that I, or Emperor, whatever it was called, it had emperors and it had spears, okay? And it was by ADB. I did not like that book and I wasn't a fan of the writing. It's not that I hate ADB, far from it. Just that book just did not jive with me. Um, this one, like, I, it's like, you know, it's kind of fast paced, 
I could read it, but then like halfway through, mm-hmm. I'm like, has anything really happened other than him killing, you know, Duomet? Like, has anything really happened? You no. know, it's funny that you say that because I think you and I were talking about this earlier. It was about the halfway point for me too. I think we were on chapter 10 when all of a sudden I said to my husband, I was like, nothing's happened really at all. And even he was like, well, no, it has. And I'm like, has it though? And like, cause it was right after they got off the planet with the warlock where, and I apologize because we listened to it on, we actually did an experiment. We listened to it on audio and some of the names. I'm like, I know that you're not saying it right. Deluge is now a trigger word for me. Deluge. Anyways, um, it, we got off the planet with the warlock and I was like, well, how did they say it? I don't remember how they said his name now, but I was like, oh. Well, I mean, I mean like, no, I mean, Deluge. How did they say it? Deluge. Sure. All right. The Brits have a weird, you know what? I know that the Brits think that we, I had a professor in one of my linguistics classes in college who told, he was from England and he was like, the American English is very lazy. And I can kind of understand that now because I'm like, wow, y'all are like overpronouncing every vowel. It's, um, behemoth was behemoth. It took us, like, we had to pause it because we're like, what is a behemoth? Well, it's like, and oh. I, I told you, like, Australians, they pronounce adamantium as adventanium. Like, to the point, like, I first heard it and I was like, wait, what did he say? Yeah. Like, we need to back that up. And then it took me a while to figure out what he was exactly saying but i was actually in a meeting once with some americans and some brits and we were saying latin and the brits were like oh my god you guys don't say it right it's latin you're so lazy with your t's and immediately one of the americans said yeah but you guys say little instead of little what's up with that and they're like uh 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 i was like yeah you know (laughs) well and yeah we won't even go talk about oregano but um (laughs) the or pasta. Mm. Ah! Mm. Anyways, it's not okay. Um, when they get off the planet with the warlock, bring it back, I was like, nothing's happening. My husband was like, no, 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 a lot just happened there. And I was like, what? Other than the warlock telling him your princess is in another tower. <laughs> and my husband was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And he made like a whole bunch of hints about Mintep. And then we never got to find out what they were. So that felt like so that felt like a huge waste of time. I I I think I just feel like this was supposed to be one book. And I was actually thinking so and I'm gonna mention a book that I hated. Um Devastation of Ball. It's like, you know, the thing of ball. Um anyways, Devastation of Ball, but Devastation of Ball was a tome. Mm-hmm. That needed editing. But I think this could have pulled it off. It's not like we haven't read these thick stories. So on one hand, as much as I really do dropping stuff, much as I really love how these books lo- look and I kind of like having this, the pair of sisters up there. I just, I was like, I don't think this needs to be a, another book. Or you should have given us two years. You know, I don't even know if I would have liked it, even if we had two years, because it just because I felt like nothing had happened. What do you think of Ultix as a leader? Was he a good a good king? No, 
But I don't know if any of them are, because just because they're all so petty. Do I think, you know, um, Duwamit would have been better? No, she was just as petty and arrogant. Oh, they, very much so. The only one that was cool, who could have ruled, was um, Zoltanek. And I just mm-hmm. think he just has a different outlook on life in general. So, uh, so yeah, so I think he would have been fine. But everybody, they're... Yes, he let it, he would get angry too easily, but then so did his father, and he would make rash decisions and he wouldn't think properly. But that's also his father, you know. He's just very petty, and honestly, very petty. At the end, you know, when we learn about him being why he's the twice dead king. Okay, well, started. You definitely saw it coming. I was seeing it coming in a little bit. I was like, oh, maybe this is what's going to happen here. And then it kind of got confirmed when he found the hidey hole. Uh, I will say that scene was disgusting. Oh, it was absolutely disgusting. But it was very well written. And I, like, if I had to point to the strongest scene in the whole book, and yeah, that's probably it. Probably. I have learned now that I do hate the word slurry. Mm. Nah. Um, I think it's been ruined for me because, like, you cook and you make a slurry with your cornstarch. Uh, Warhammer 40k has ruined the book. From, that's a word for me. When he talks about dropping down, and I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And the guy, oh, God. Ugh, when Yannick falls over. Like, oh, no. Yuck. I don't know. I think probably maybe the other powerful scene. I think was when he's battling the dreadnought. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like the whole time I'm just feeling terrible for this dreadnought pilot. As he's being like, you know, basically like hacked open like a walnut. But then yeah. I I did find it funny when he was like, he's trying to bite me. I'm like, that's awesome. At the bitter end, we're going to do what we can, no matter what, to inflict something. Right. It's like that something, that, anything. It's like that scene out of uh, Saving Private Ryan, when the American and German face off and they run out of bullets, so they take off their helmets and throw them at one another. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. we don't got anything, but we're gonna hurt you somehow. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. Right. Pretty much. Um. Yeah. Though I mean, again, it was a well-written book, but if I had a point to, like, the best scene in it, for mm. me, it was that scene. Because there was just so much going on in it, and the, the use of descriptor words was fantastic. Unfortunately. Because yes. gross. Just gross. Um, but it did, it also broke my heart, because he did have this, like, it made him a very complex character, because he had moments, especially with Yenik, where he was like, dude... I just need a friend right now and I, I got to talk to you. And then other moments where he's like, oh yeah, come on, let's go down here and check this out. Like humiliating him. Mm-hmm. You already know he has the flare curse. Are you really this surprised? Really? Like it, and I did like when Mentip is like, now you're just humiliating him. Yeah, you were. Cause he's petty. Super petty. He's, it's interesting because I thought that maybe he was going to grow after the first book. And he really didn't. He He's mm-hmm. king. And then he's just like, all right, I'm still the same person, really. Which is why I, also, I loved it when um, I think it was either, either Yannick or Mentat. When he told him, I said, see, this is what happens 
when you go through biotransference, when you're barely in an adult out of adolescence. And like, you know, you can hit that nail on the head. He does act like a spoiled teenager. He does. And he was, he was a prince. So he was aristocracy. Mm-hmm. He was nobility. And then he lived on this planet with a bunch of yes men, right? Who were basically mm-hmm. his jailers. So he never really had a normal childhood, I guess is what I'm saying. Right, right. Um, so I get that he was a product of that, but it didn't necessarily make him likable. And it almost reminded me of like if Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory would have been told from Veruca's point of view. <laughs> Like, you would have understood that, oh, oh, this is where she comes from, and this is what her family life is like, and this is why she acts like this. But you wouldn't have liked her. hmm It made it... It... Uh, it makes it hard when the main character is kind of unlikable. Right. I almost wonder if he was supposed to be unlikable. Oops. But I, I would, yeah, because every now and then he would have these moments where you're like, oh, and then like a chapter later, you're like, mm, never mind. You're a dick. <laughs> yeah, he really was. Well, like, I was really rooting for the angels in Carmine. Like, <laughs> so you kind of touched on this already, but because Mintep was a big player in the first book and he's a big player in this book and there's hints that he was even a bigger player in the past yeah a lot of hints so let's first off with mintep what was his play here what was his i have no idea so when old sex actually came up with that lie i actually believed it for like a couple of sentences because like you know that seems as good of a reason as any it really does right and yeah i have no idea because i was hoping that was going to get explained but instead he just got killed i'm like okay um i mean unless you know because i remember from um indomitus you know that the necrons they would have backups other places so you killed this by it's cool like i just have already like you know uploaded somewhere else so i was kind of wondering like we're we gonna have that here with mintep he's gonna upload somewhere else and he's just gonna appear oh, apparently not so i don't know what the point of it was no I mean, obviously, the point of the whole book was for him to obviously understand that we're all going to succumb to the flare curse. You've succumbed a long time ago, but you've resisted it for for this long, which I honestly thought that was really weak grab. I really did. I understand what they were doing, that he was like so against it because it was in him. I'm like, no, I think he was just so against it because that's fucking gross. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's just nasty. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's a little weak to, to come up with that. And I... Uh, okay, but that's... It's like the longest route to get to that point. For him to... Like, okay, the flare curse is a, a part of all of us. Right. All right. The real curse was the one we carried with us the whole oh, time. Geez. Um, okay, so let's, <laughs> did Valgul ever exist, do you think? I have no idea. No idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with no. And I both like that and don't like that for two reasons. One, 
we've already seen that play before. It reminded me the end of The Infinite and the Divine. If you recall, in The Infinite and the Divine, remember there was the big resistance hero that had fought for the Necrons and fought against the Catan, and then you get down there and you learn that it was the Deceiver all along. Right. Like, oh, <laughs> this legend of yours? That's me. So, and, and I, I know it is different. This wasn't like a Catan revelation, right? But it's like, is this another like figure from your your? Because Valgul has always been listed as the Flayer, the Flayed King, the Flayer King, right? Flayer King. Um. But did he ever really exist, or was he just like this? And that's that's one of the things that's another parallel between the the Necrons and the Imperium is that so much is lost to legend, right? Well, I mean, Vogel could have been the first, you know. Him. He could have been A, right? Maybe there's a lot of them, too. That was the other thing that I was like, did he ever exist? And this, well, like, you're just coming into this? or Because they did talk about how, how all the dynasties that went to the gate of Sokar all came back cursed somehow. So there seems to be like a big hint that, you know, there's a reason why there's actually a lot of flayed ones across the world is because whatever Mintep did at the gate of Sokar affected everybody down the line. Right. And they kind of, they kind of, again, I would have liked a little bit more, like you don't have to draw pictures for me. You don't need to be like, oh, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this, this, and that's how we are here. And it's all things meant up. Like, you didn't need to do that, but I would have liked just a little bit more of, like, yeah, it was him. Because um, they also had that mention, the warlock is basically like, yeah, you're the one who uh, created the stuff that let us contain the Catan shards. And the Gate of Sotek. You did mm -hmm. something over there. Oh, okay. Right. And I guess... I guess maybe you could argue that that's just kind of how life is. Like, sometimes there's things that we just don't know why they're the way they are. Or, like, you have to really stop and go back and be like, oh, well, why did we do this? Oh, because of this, that, and the other thing. Um, I meant to write this down, but Bintep actually reminded me of the fabulous Bill of the Necrons, to be totally honest. I can see that. Not an unfair comparison at all. But a little bit more remorse. Like, he had ooh. some remorse, <laughs> at least. Ooh. He has some remorse, though, because he doesn't have his memories full fully. Mm -hmm. He knows some of the ideas, but not necessarily. It'd be interesting to know what Bill would be like if he had that. Oh, Bill's too arrogant to be like that because oh, he's never made mistakes. Sure. True. Like Araman. Never right. met a fuck up he didn't like. You leave like, poor Aramid out of this. Sorry. Um, what did you make of the ending overall? Did it make sense to you? Did you like it? Was it satisfying? You know, originally it's like after he died. And then we went through this acid trip of memories. And then, you know, he wakes up and he finds he's actually on the ship and all this stuff. I was like, my God. This is reading just like the end of 2001, A Space Odyssey. And I'm going to be pissed if it ends just like this. And then, you know, when the monoliths appeared, I'm like, see, it is like Space mm -hmm. Odyssey 2001. All we needed was it to end with some baby in the sky. And then, you know, all right, would it would have moved on. But, I mean, thankfully, 
actually kind of wrapped up and started to make some sense. It made sense. But my response was, okay, I did not need a whole book on this. I have to agree. I have to... I know that we said that in the beginning, but it really did feel like maybe there were two or three chapters missing off of the first book. So it like maybe three chapters. I feel as though he could have killed his father, come back up to the ship, had a heart to heart, right? With everyone being like, I don't know about you killing your dad, dude. And then go on this little walkabout like they could have gone he could have talked to Mentep they could have gone to the gate of Sotek he could have ascended to become the Flare King like maybe four chapters I don't know I it got to the ending and was like huh okay and I don't know about you but I think and this is the other thing that makes me think that this was one book the first like 13 14 chapters like nothing happens right and it's very slow. It's like the Donna, and all of a sudden, it's like the Donna Reed show. Nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens, and then they get to like the last four or five chapters, and it's like boom, stuff's happening. And it was like, oh, 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 okay, now <laughs> there's a battle. There's all of this stuff, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say. I think, yeah. Hard to say that. Yeah. Because, again, I enjoyed the writing style. I did. Um, theory time. Well, and, I love and I'll just also color this by saying, and most likely a lot of my feelings are biased because I just, I don't like the Necrons. Obviously, I will read a book about them before I read a book about the Tau. Because uh, if you guys are wondering, like, what's really holding you guys against the Tau, that's mostly me. Because I refuse. Just refuse. I'm not really big into the Tau either. I have, I, I, I've read short stories with them. The whole cast system I find to be a little unappealing. And actually, you know what? I, I could write a pretty big laundry list on pretty much every single thing about the Tau. I find uninteresting. And like... Every story I've ever read where the Tau are the antagonists. Like, uh, War of Secrets is a really good example. Mm. Mm, that was, like, the weak part of that book was the, um... The Tau. Yeah. All the chapters with the Tau, I was like, this is... This isn't selling me on these guys at all. And, I like, I liked the scenes will, with them and the I Dark will, Angels. I will argue that the scenes, though, with the, um... the the uh cults the greater good cults of humans though were interesting just not when the were when the tau showed up but regardless and i loved the crude everything that had the crude in it i loved um but 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 i think that's i mean that is clouding things for me is that i just don't care about the necrons and it was like jen reading blood angels books she does not care about the blood angels I might be back on that page with you. So I, I didn't really care that much about the Necrons. I thought they were kind of interesting. Um, I, I liked them years and years ago. Like when I first got into Warhammer, I was like, oh, they seem really interesting. And then they kind of started to revamp them to be a little bit more like the OCR. OCR? Yeah, the Bone Reapers from uh, Age of Sigmar. 
Hmm. Um, the Tomb Kings. The OG Tomb Kings. Um, they kind of started to rebuild them like that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But every time I read books about them, um, the chartreuse that you should get you. Uh, oh, it's in there weird. That's why it's so skinny and small over there. Um, I hated that book. And I was like, oh, this does not make me like the Necrons. The last book made me interested in it. But that's because that was a big story. The Infinite and the Divine goes that same. Well, the Chains Infinite, the infinite and the Design, I think, doesn't count as, like, really, like, a Necron lore book. And Mm-mm. so the one thing I enjoyed, I know I said this in the last podcast, that with the first book, one thing I really enjoyed was, you know, getting into the history of the orcs. I thought that was very interesting. And um, the flare, the the real history behind the flare curse, mm-hmm. and what that was all about. I thought that was fascinating. Right. Very much so. But it's... But it was just, yeah. none of this was just really enough. They're, they're so petty. And it's one reason why, like, I didn't enjoy um, the rite, rite of Passage was just how petty these people are. If I want to deal with, I, with pettiness, I'll go deal with my kids. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm try- I, I, think I, I think this helped me figure it out. So... The first book was a little bit about Necron culture, but it was more about this tale of two brothers, right? Mm. This one was much more about Necron culture, up mm. until the whole part about with the flayed ones in the flare. Like, okay, that gets a little bit more into the weeds about it, a little less Necron culture heavy. But yeah, I think you might be right. It's the pettiness of just... Ugh, your empire is crumbling around you, but they're just yet another faction like that, right? Like the Jakari, mm-hmm. I always compare them to Grey Gardens, right? They're living in absolute squalor and they're doing great and fine. This is all normal. The Eldari are dying because they done messed up and they just keep done messing up. Like, okay, the first 2000 times that we tried to alter the future did not work for us. But this time, this time's going to work. Um, maybe not, guys. Uh, then you have, now you have the Necrons, who your empire is crumbling. It is not what it used to be, and you guys can't put aside old pettiness. Like, you would think, at some point, it would be like, "Mm, we need to, like, gather together to deal with the unclean. Right. No. No. Like, the whole idea of, like, they need their own unification war. Yeah. If they're gonna, if they have any chance of taking back the galaxy from the unclean and from the orcs and blah 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 blah. And you don't have to be BFFs. You don't have to love one another or even like one another that much, but you do. Yeah. Just, just get your shit together, huh? That was the only thing where I was like, really, I'm. What is the ghost wind? I honestly think it's another term for the warp. And it's just their way of traveling through the warp. Instead of looking for the Astronomicon, they got the ghost wind. It's like, themed like that. Or like autopilot. I went back and forth on that because as, as uh, things go sideways, um, I was like, that's very warpy. But I read a theory because I was like, what is this? Like, I thought it was the warp too. I read a theory online that I liked, basically saying that if the warp is the birthplace of demons for humanity, the ghost wind is basically the place the Catan come from. 
So it's kind of like the Necrons but, version of the warp. But then how did the angels and Carmine get there? I, that's why I think it has to be the warp, mm-hmm. right? It just has to be that they figured out how to get into it. Like, and that's I thought why it's it was so dangerous. Like, I originally thought it was something different, like just another mode of travel. And then the angels and Carmine showed up. I was like, okay, now this has to be the warp. This doesn't make any sense otherwise. Right. And I did like it showed, too, because remember the whole time they're like, ugh, the unclean ones actually use the warp. Good God. Like, so gauche. Um, and then there are the warp. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. That's not the warp, it's the ghost wind. Because That's true, it is totally the ghost different. wind. Which actually, let's be real for a second. That's a badass name for the warp. The ghost wind? I mean, that kind of is what the warp is, I think. Kind of is, yeah. You just don't have an Astronomicon to cling on to. I... I did like that. And I liked that whole... I actually liked the scene. When they were... I, the way that they described the ghost wind. I liked all of that. Um, it seemed very on brand that Mintep would have kind of discovered how to get in there. Mm-hmm. You're right. And the more like the more examples we start giving, he really is the fabulous Bill of Necrons. I mean, he's not too far away from building his own flesh tower. If you think about it. Be fair. Mm-hmm. To bring all the boys to the yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, um, I don't know. I didn't hate this book. Like, I didn't hate it like I hated Requiem Infernal or The Reverie. Right. But I, I, I was disappointed. I mean, I don't hate this book either. I'd rather read this one over either one of those. I would read this book again right here and now. Start reading this again before I read either of those again. Exactly. It just, I it just, just was a little disappointing. No, sir. I didn't like it. Yeah. I was kind of meh on it as well. Um, and I think ultimately, like, okay, oh, all right. So he's, he's the Flayer King now. And he is, he's has basically stepped into this role of Valgul. And this now, again, kind of sets up as the Tomb Kings in Warhammer 40k, right? And this is not good that they now are kind of more organized. But I was also kind of like... I don't know that I care. Is that bad? You don't care. You don't care. I mean, it's just like, I, like we said earlier, like we don't care about the Tau either. So, okay, cool. Nice story. I don't care. Humanity is beset upon all sides, right? Mm-hmm. You've got God's Kulthraka. You've got whatever Abaddon's going on with over there. You've got all of these things, right? And this one just kind of seemed... Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> add it to the list. Right. And I, yeah, I just find the flares so gross. I know I said this before when we read that Uriel Ventress book, but it, I, I think I can, I, can, I can officially say death at the hand of a flayed one is basically the most ignoble death in all of Warhammer 40k. Well, I mean, especially that, poor, they, that poor dreadnought that just got, you know, fed to a machine. I mean, that's just... This is mean. Right. At least the orcs are getting sustenance out of you. And even if, like, chaos cultists are eating you, you're, they're getting something out of it. Yeah, well, all that the Necrons are doing are just smashing meat against their faces because they can't open their mouths. It's weird. Then, the most ignoble of deaths. Yeah. The whole time I can just think of the skeleton from the last unicorn. 
with the wine. You can't even drink. You're dead. But I remember. <laughs> Which is why, poor. like, this gift from our friend Ross, I was just like, seriously, you MFer? You guys, she got me an, a flayed one. And, oh, the card dropped. But the card says, you know, I got you a totally normal looking space marine. Yeah. And they are creepy looking. Don't get me wrong. Hey, what am I going to do with this? display it in your kids' rooms when they've been bad. <laughs> you just wake up in the middle of the night, flayed one hanging over them. <laughs> Teach you to talk back to mom, won't it? You'd think. I'm telling you. You'd think, but probably not. No. I, I'm glad we read it. Yeah. Um, I think in the future, I think part of it, for me at least, again, I think had we had a year or two, I might have been a little more sympathetic to it because just so much repetition but I think if I could go back in time, I would have told them, like, just make it one book. It's okay. It can be a big fatty. It can be just like the Devastation of all. That was a heckin' chunk of a book. It was a heckin' chunk of a And it was a slog it of a book, fun. too. And mm, I love the Blood Angels. Just to tell us that everyone got devoured. That was probably, like, the best part. And I guess, probably, they, yes. I guess the Angels and Carmine, I don't know if this is, like, the last faction of them. <laughs> they were like, we serve and then we found the flayed ones! Yay! I did really enjoy that their death guard was all in white. Their death company was all in white. I thought that was fascinating. And I actually did really enjoy the scarab, like, interpreting what was going on. Yes. <laughs> With the death company, that was kind of funny. Again. Again. He's a good... Oh, he's a great author. writer. Great yes. writer. Yes, and he's this, a great author, and this is fun. It just there, I mean, there were parts that were fun. This particular mm. story just didn't did not mm -mm. do it for me. It didn't, and it was it was it, it was a heavier read, right? Because I, I think I kept hoping for something. So I'm actually kind of glad that our next book is not going to be as heavy of a read. <laughs> it is going to be not only that, but it's perfect. But it's going to be horror, and that's going to be fun with enforcers it's like a combination of uh warhammer crime and warhammer horror all i'm in one. legit excited for this yeah it is the spring break read yeah. and notice that the green of the pages is subtly different than the green of these pages which is more of a spring green this is more of a chartreuse and the cover is like Kind of children of the corn. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, but there's all these like yeah. things oh, yeah, on that, there, and they're that, all in the, that's, all the a, that's reflected in the water. It's great, love it. Like, oh, it the, reminds oh, me of that's the, cool. Oh, that's cool and creepy reminds, at the same time. It reminds me of Deacon of Wounds with all the flies yeah. in it. So this is going to be a good break, I think, from Necrons and serious stuff, and then. Hopefully you get order. your next books. I got them. It's been a month and I still have no shipping notification. And she's talking about uh, the book by Adrian Tchaikovsky um, and St. Catherine and... I'm talking 
about the Triumph of Saints Catherine, which yes, I did get the limited edition hardback, and I don't think that's coming ever. Uh, the Krieg hardback. The Krieg, that was, that was the other one. <laughs> the Death Corp Krieg, which I'm really excited, so I think I'm going to end up reading that digitally, because my order done got lost. I saw it. Maybe they'll get back to me in another month. Um... So anyways, if anybody knows somebody who wants to sell their copy of The Triumph of St. Catherine, send them my way. I'm definitely excited for this guy. It's been a while since we read a Warhammer horror book, and the last one that we read was The Reverie. I thought it was Deacon of Wounds, or was it Reverie? It was, it, no, it just dawned on me. Deacon of Wounds did come after, so that's good. That is mm. good. So we're not, like, totally that's soured. Good. Yeah. Um, I do wish we read Age of Sigmar, only because I did get that Gothical ho Hollow it has purple pages. You can read that on your own with all your spare time. With all my spare time. That'll be a summer read for sure. Let's all right. Want to take us out, Carrie? I sure will. I mean, I got a short book to read. After reading Yay! this thing in like three days, I can read this in the night. But I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm actually going to go to bed early. All right. So you've Ooh, listened to the... What's that going to be like? Well, it's not going to happen because it's, you know, close to midnight my time. So I just, I, I lie. Okay. You've listened to Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding the twice dead king reign by Nate Crowley. Be sure to join us next time for the bookkeeper's skull by Justin D. Hill. So I do believe it's Dr. Justin D. Hill, if I remember correctly. I think we, it is. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from our crag. And I'm still off areas. Get you some horrific chartreuse. Horrific chartreuse. The horror novels. Ah, uh, see, because it's almost midnight. I'm slow. <laughs> right, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. of the Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.